This is Steve Downs, the voice of Master Chief Sierra 117, with a shout out to the Xbox Expansion Pass. Keep your heads up during this time of isolation. Stay positive. Play some games. Most importantly, finish the fight. Thanks for listening to XEP. Master Chief, out. Welcome one, welcome all to episode 42 of the Xbox Expansion Pass, recorded on Sunday, July 26th, 2020. I am your host, Luke Lore, the Insipid Ghost. In this episode, we break down the impact of the bevy of announcements made during the Xbox Game Showcase. We'll examine Xbox revenue year over year, and we'll look ahead to the Xbox Series X. Enjoy. Yet another week of gaming is upon us and behind us. Welcome to XEP, discussing all things in the Gamerverse as they pertain to the Xbox ecosystem. And before we begin this week, I want to offer a quick word of thanks and kindness to two groups. First, I want to thank the Iron Lords, who were kind enough to have me on their show, the quite popular Iron Lords podcast, for a week of Xbox predictions prior to the showcase. And that same word of thanks goes out to DJ, who hosts the Zeba Games podcast, who allowed me to join him and offer the same level of prediction over on his show. Guys, you made my week that much better, and I thoroughly enjoyed being with you, and I thank you for having me on. It was a pleasure. Let's get right to it this week. The Xbox July 23rd Games Showcase has taken place. We've seen the games, we've seen the reveals, we've seen the reactions from so many different places around the interwebs and social media spaces. 22 games shown in this Xbox Game Showcase. 22 of those games available either free-to-play or going directly into Game Pass upon launch. And that seems to be something special in the messaging that may be a bit understated and that people may be forgetting. Of every game seen during the Game Showcase, you will be able to play it as a Game Pass member day and date, building into next-gen, and it really showcases what it was that Microsoft was trying to do with this Xbox brand going forward. Now we've got a lot to break down. So many of you wrote in with questions, with thoughts, with concerns, and I will do my best to acknowledge all of them. I have an entire page of typed up notes, an entire page of handwritten notes that I took during the show, and I, I gotta tell you, it's tough to know where to start. But I do want to say, Thank you to Mr. Badbit as well. Mr. Badbit over on his YouTube channel, youtube.com slash badbitgames. He allowed me to join him for some live reactions, and we were able to clip out quite a few of those reactions to, to really capture what it was we were feeling in the moment before we went to the interweb space, before we saw and checked social media to see what other people thought. They were just raw reactions to what it was we were experiencing, and I really enjoyed that process, and I thank him for the opportunity because without anybody interrupting what it was we were feeling about the games, you could see moments of pure joy, pure confusion, pure happiness, pure frustration to whatever it was we were seeing. And in looking back over those reactions, particularly after taking in and ingesting what it was social media was offering on any given topic, it really stood out to me how much of this show I truly enjoyed. I thought the showcase was excellent. I really enjoyed it. And when I say excellent, I don't mean perfect. Of course, there are things to improve. There are things to improve in any of the showcases. But of everything we've seen from the, the I would say, mediocre to decent May inside Xbox, to the EA Play showcase, to the PlayStation 5 reveal event, to Ubisoft Ford, I would say this was the most compact and the best shown slew of games of any of the summer highlights. Let's begin breaking down that showcase, of course, with the highlight piece from the event, Halo Infinite. Now, it, it's worth mentioning, of course, that Halo Infinite has a unique set of expectations for it, unlike any other game I've seen in my gaming history thus far. It is expected that Halo Infinite pilots us into next-gen and showcases the best of what the Series X has to offer at launch, and yet still is playable and fully functional on the original VCR 900p Xbox One, the Xbox One S, 
and the Xbox One X. And it has to do all those things and satisfy each and every one of those game uh, gaming demographics. That is a tremendous ask of any game. And I have to say, Microsoft has done a great job with smart delivery. This is now the problem with smart delivery. There's some good, there's always an upside to things, there's always a downside to things. And I, I, I let's go to the original reactions, unencumbered by social media and, and meme-verse for just a moment. Halo Infinite looked incredible upon my, my first viewing of it. I am so excited for Halo Infinite and what I saw in this showcase. I saw a brilliant stylized art style that really captures the vibes from Halo of old, Halo Reach, and prior without the more realistic approach of Halos 4 and 5. The visuals looked, I thought, quite beautiful due to that artistic design where you had a hyper-realistic approach in 4 and 5 that maybe allowed it to be compared to something from perhaps many of the Sony games like, like Last of Us or Horizon. This seemed to capture the more arcadey vibes and the more bright-colored approach of the original Halo games. So I think they were working hard to capture the spirit for Halo of old. And yet you saw some gameplay mechanics at work here that really bring it and keep it in a modern era. I could not tell you how excited I was. In fact, the reactions with Mr. Badbit really do tell the tale. Upon seeing Master Chief jump out of the, the, the Pelican into a Warthog, drive the Warthog around the room, uh, around the room, around uh, the Halo ring, seeing the lighting and shadow effects move about the world, and then to hop out of that Warthog and immediately begin firing at grunts without aiming down sights was something special. It truly looked and felt Halo. The sound design, truly looked and felt Halo. And yet all this time, I saw vehicles in use. I saw wildlife moving around the world, creating an ambiance that just felt special. And I was excited. And then they had two pivotal moments that really showed me what direction Halo Infinite is aiming to go with its gameplay. He, Master Chief opened up a map to find objectives. He opened a map, something we don't see in Halo games. And upon opening the map, you really see that this is meant to be an open world Halo adventure. Open world with ripe possibilities, and yet still, due to, de to developer interviews and, and, and show pieces from behind closed door events, despite being open world, there's a linear path to the storytelling. So you can choose to explore or you can keep your traditional Halo experience. And that felt special. The parts that got me hooping and hollering was the reveal of the grapple hook. Now, we'd seen it in key art, but we got to see it in play. Master Chief using a grapple hook makes perfect sense for the Spartans uh, to be using high-tech devices. But we saw Master Chief grapple an enemy and uh, bolt towards him, fly towards him before, you know, meleeing him and then shooting. We saw Master Chief using the grapple hook to traverse the landscape and get to new and different areas for exploration and for combat. We saw him grapple uh, fuel cells into his hands and then throw those fuel cells into enemies. There were exciting moments of use and diverse use of that grapple hook that really told me they want to do something new with Halo and yet capture the spirit of old. And that seems to be the challenge that 343 has yet to conquer in any of their Halo games. While I think Halo 4 is a wonderful, fantastic game, it didn't capture the special feeling for the masses. The masses weren't on board. What they're going for with Halo Infinite is a game that doesn't die out in six months. They want a sustained, long-term vision to bring forth to Halo fans so that when you enter the Xbox ecosystem, you have a, a clean, easy entrance into the Halo ecosystem. And I gotta tell you, the hype around this game is high, as are the pressures there. We saw uh, some some really interesting moments in that trailer that brought a tremendous amount of excitement for me by way of the weapons. A very diverse weapon array there. Lots of new weapons. We see new enemies. The Banished, of course, from Halo 2. Halo Wars 2, pardon me, are going to play a pivotal role in this. But the timeline is that much further advanced from Halo Wars 2, meaning that they are going to wrap up Halo 5's story, which is a bit muddled, 
get rid of the Prometheans as enemies, use the Banished as enemies, but you won't need to play Halo Wars 2 in order to be caught up. You don't need to be reading the comics and the books like, like big old dorks like me. And I love to hear developers saying that because this is an onboarding point for many fans to check out the world of Halo, young fans at that. Because this old guys that are listening to shows like this, the hardcore, uh, we've already got opinions made about the franchise of Halo. Now, we might change for Halo Infinite, but we have preformed opinions, whereas young people do not have that. This was a great showcase to see what it was Halo is trying to do with Infinite. But it was not without controversy, and we must acknowledge that. My genuine reactions were super positive, and I am all in on Halo Infinite and super excited to see what it has. However, upon checking the social media Twitter Twitter verses, as expected, I think, in big games with high expectations, there's a social media divide on what's good, what's bad. There was absolutely some pop-in in the trailer. You saw it's different textures popping in at different times, which really seems to run counter to the narrative of this is the most powerful hardware. This is running on Xbox Series X, and it's the most powerful hardware you can get. This marketing dichotomy that they have between smart delivery running on an OG Xbox One all the way to the world's most powerful console in the Series X really does seem to butt heads in a game like Halo Infinite, and it was evident and on display. Now, by no means ever should graphical pop-in and pixel count make or break your fun factor with a game. I want to be very clear about that. You should not have more or less fun based on pixel count. Now, how well something runs, frame rate, those things can factor in, but a little bit of pop-in here and there on any game shouldn't dissuade you from enjoying something. Uh, two great examples of this that I will provide you for context. Playing Breath of the Wild on my Switch, an incredible experience. Did I worry about frame rate? Did I worry about the power of the system? Did I worry about, oh, well, compared to Last of Us, compared to Halo 5, compared to Gears of War, this game doesn't look as good. Absolutely not. I enjoyed the art style. I enjoyed the gameplay design and the gameplay. And Breath of the Wild, to this day, one of the best games ever made. Another great example of this, a bit more relevant, I think, in this particular context, recently played through God of War in the last six months. A God of War, a game I believe to be the best game ever made. I played God of War on a PS4 Slim, not a PS4 Pro, but a PS4 Slim, and the game was still incredible. I played it, I had a ball, I didn't have the best visual experience, and still had fun. I think we need to keep those things in mind when we evaluate any game, particularly when it, there is the danger of offering a predisposed opinion and, and predetermining whether you're going to like or dislike a game. That's a dangerous precedent to set. Uh, but, but Halo Infinite, part of that is due to its own marketing. World's most powerful console, smart delivery works on your original Xbox One. What a fine line to walk, and there, there's definitely some, some issues with that. Now, I do want to offer a head nod and point to the fact that my excitement is extremely high, and I've also really enjoyed the memes that have come out from the brute named Craig. Uh, if anybody's seen it, there was a, a zoom-in moment that if you freeze-frame the gameplay, which, which looks really good, but if you freeze-frame it, really low-texture brute designs that don't even look as good as Halo 5. And uh, a lot of people are saying, well, this is next-gen. This doesn't look next-gen. The same problem we saw with the PS5 reveal with the Xbox uh, inside Xbox from May. Does this game look next-gen? Certainly something that's hard to do in a stream at 1080p. Uh, when, when you have to stream stuff out and you can't experience the AI or the haptic feedback of the controller. There's a lot of issues that can come with that. And showcasing what next-gen means can be difficult. But I do want to applaud the Halo team because they came out, they named this brute that everybody was memeing, Craig. They said they're worried about Craig. They're like, hey, yeah, do you think he's doing okay after all this? This has got to be crazy. This has got to be funny. I like that they leaned into it and they had fun with the reactions to it. A couple of other points to note here that, that are take with a grain of salt, but acknowledge the, the realism and the truth to it. The this, this game, this demo specifically, this demo was running on a PC that is meant to be comparable to the Xbox Series X. So there's some leeway in that. And it was running on a four to six month old build. Four to six months out during a pandemic is something to acknowledge. It's not something to necessarily excuse. We saw gameplay, which is what everybody wanted to see. That was the big complaint from the PlayStation and the Xbox showcases from this summer. We saw gameplay. We have to acknowledge that showing gameplay during this time might be a difficult thing to do. That said, the game comes out, we believe, in November. I'm still going with Saturday, November 7th. 
so that it's 117, but we'll see. And that's that's coming, that's rapidly approaching. So we have to keep that in mind there. But I must say, really and truly, I loved what I saw from Halo Infinite. The idea that I get a linear story that is meant to be more uh, more ripe and longer than Halo's 4 and 5 combined, as from developer commentary, longer than 4 and 5 combined, critical path, still open world, wildlife, dynamic lighting is moving about the world, ray tracing coming in a later on patch. We've seen nothing of the multiplayer modes. We know multiplayer is coming. There's n There was a rumor out there that it was going to be delayed. The multiplayer is not delayed. We didn't see co-op or competitive multiplayer. There's a lot to be excited about in this, and I'm super there for it. I cannot tell you how good it feels to see a Halo on the horizon that captures the spirit of the old but has new things in it. New weapons, grapple hook mechanics, RPG elements of discoverability for armor, and new side characters. The pilot, voiced by the same guy who does Octane from Apex Legends, giving Chief grief, arguing with Chief, getting mad at Chief, laughing with, with Chief, playing the human role alongside Chief's more stoic nature. Very exciting to, for me to see what it is they have uh, showing up. And let's all remember, if you are on the fence and you're not sure, you're, hey, this didn't do it for me. I'm not sure about this one. Game Pass, guys in game pass you can try it there's nothing wrong with that it's okay to be on the fence about stuff game looked fun for me i'm stoked to be there for it let's look at several other key points from this showcase again we're not going to go through every single game but i do want to point out obsidian as a developer overall obsidian has to be has to be at this point the best acquisition that microsoft has made to date we got the outer worlds Outer Worlds launched on multiple systems, of course, due to, to older deals, and that's a great thing. Many people are getting to experience the talent that Outer Worlds has, and I can argue that that would only boost its credibility in becoming an Xbox game studio. But we saw in this showcase Outer Worlds DLC that looks fantastic. If you're there for those Obsidian RPGs, the Outer Worlds DLC looks great. We saw more from Grounded, which continues to, very oddly and surprising to me, impress I am not all in on this grounded idea. I'm not, it's, it's not a game for me, and yet it continues to impress. That survival aspect of the game, the idea that you can play it with co-op or single player, the self-awareness of saying, if you're ready for the biggest game of the year, then play Cyberpunk. But if not, check out Grounded. That's such a, a hyper-awareness of what it is, what you're trying to do from the Obsidian teams. And we know there are three teams working within Obsidian. The mid-team mid with the middle amount of people, middle amount of people, I should say, uh, in terms of the amount of people working on the game, is working on Outer Worlds content. The smallest team within Obsidian, working on Grounded, which is appropriate, oddly enough. Uh, and then the biggest team made their reveal in the game Avowed, which is a first-person fantasy RPG in the likes of Skyrim. Mind you, Obsidian has made uh, Fallout New Vegas, but this is an Avowed game that exists in the Pillar of a Pillars of Eternity universe that is meant to be a high-class, high-octane, high-powered, triple-A RPG event. What a great moment for Obsidian to have three games on three scalable levels launching into Game Pass when they arrive and to celebrate their studio's pedigree. Obsidian has to be the best pickup Microsoft has made to date. Acknowledging Minecraft, acknowledging 343's creation and the coalition, Obsidian is already paying dividends and people are excited. There is an audience for Outer Worlds, an audience for Grounded, and I would argue an audience that is is larger than we perhaps expect. Again, with the size puns, I can't help it. It's like they're there and I don't mean to make them. I'm just very excited for this uh, this Obsidian studio and this team to continue bringing games that people want and people are asking for. Skyrim's on everything. It runs on a friggin' fridge at this point. And this game looks to be a successor to that in a time where Bethesda's not providing it. In a time where Bethesda fans have been wanting Bethesda to do what Bethesda used to do and they're not getting it, Avowed looks to cure that itch. And I've got to say, that is a, a tip of the hat to them. Tip of the hat to them. I'm so excited for Bethesda fans, for RPG fans, and Game Pass fans. There's a lot to enjoy in that. Bravo to them. There was uh, one other moment. Well, there's several. There are a couple moments. But apart from the Halo reveal and the nod to, to Obsidian for just high-quality stuff, 
A couple other moments had me squeal out loud, like yell out loud into the mic on the internet. Everybody heard it, uh, where I, I was just, I could not contain my excitement. And the first, or the second, I should say, was the reveal of State of Decay 3. You have this hyper-realistic CGI trailer that really looks to be setting a tone for what State of Decay is. And State of Decay is a great example of Microsoft sticking around and supporting a studio and funding it for future projects. State of Decay always known for its jank. Lovable jank, but jank nonetheless. And State of Decay 2 launched, I would say, to ho-hum, good, not great. Well, now in its current iteration with the Juggernaut Edition, it's fantastic, a wonderful game. This State of Decay reveal, a whole nother level of AAA polish. I think State of Decay 2 is the best AA caliber game you can see. Mm, State of Decay 3 looks to be high budget, highly supported, triple-A experience, and you saw a zombie deer, and, it, and that zombie deer roaring at this brilliantly animated girl with a crossbow, and then it cuts to see State of Decay 3, I yelled out loud, so excited to see what this team at Undead Labs, who has talent but hasn't yet had the full budget, can do with this franchise, really shows a lot of promise in a post-apocalyptic uh, genre, I think you can call it, that has seen its ups and downs. Dead Rising really has fallen out of favor. Days Gone, mediocre at best. Last of Us, super fantastic uh, term in terms of experience. So I really want to see what State of Decay 3 brings to the table that's different from its pre previous iterations, that expands upon previous iterations, but does something new to bring more people in. And the caliber of this trailer, the CGI trailer admittedly, showcases what it is they're trying to go for, I'm stoked for it. I'm in on it. And, and I, I screamed out loud. For, I'm so excited to see what it is they have to, to show us there. Rare was also showing off a bit in this, in this showcase here with Everwild. We didn't see any Sea of Thieves content. A credit to Microsoft for not showing off uh, any real Sea of Thieves stuff. Because we've got that. That's doing great. No need to showcase it here. Sea of Thieves, I'm sorry, Rare showing off Everwild really showcased one the art style they're going for to the character creation and design that we're going to have from this high caliber AAA budgeted game. Uh, and that's it. We don't know what this game is. We still don't know what the gameplay is. I would argue they don't know what it is. We hear rumors that they're not sure yet what they truly want this game to be. But the best part about Everwild, really and truly the best part about Everwild, is that it shows that Rare in its current form is able to make Sea of Thieves a game they want to make is able to make Everwild a game they want to make, and is not bound by their history that can be celebrated by other studios with those rare licenses. Battletoads was nowhere to be found in this showcase. Really surprised me, I might add. I played Battletoads at last year's E3. We've still not seen it. I, I have a lot of questions about that. But the La La Studios was making it. Where's Banjo? Banjo, nowhere to be found. Last seen at the, the Smash Brothers showcase there. Okay. But Rare is not bound to make those things, and Microsoft's letting them have freedom. That's the excitement for Everwild there. That's the point that we all need to be noting, is that Rare is not being bound to their, their former old legacy catalog, and they're able to build new. And then that theoretically, they're going to shop out some of those things to other places. So that's really cool. Uh, just going through, I loved the, the very quick acknowledgement that, that games that are running on your Xbox Ones right now will look even better. They, they had uh, discussions about Ori 2, a game that is underappreciated in the gaming community. More people need to check out Ori 2 for sure. Uh, I love to see w what I saw from Hellblade. Very, I'm sorry, not Hellblade, from Double Fine. Double Fine really showcased a very different aspect with Psychonauts 2. Having Jack Black there showing passion and love highlights the big difference between those major player Xbox games that, that are you know high octane, you're, you're, everything's visceral, very expensive, you're seeing Gears, you're seeing Master Chief, you're seeing this shoot 'em up, shoot 'em up, shoot 'em up. And then you have Tim Schafer's uh, lovable self, that lovable world of Psychonauts, which could be very dark if they wanted it to, but no. They keep it lighthearted and fun, really showcasing a very different side to studio acquisitions. Love what I saw from Psychonauts 2. We saw a Bungie discussion. Bungie now allowing Destiny 2 to enter into Game Pass with, and this is the key part, with all of its previous DLCs made available, arriving in September and in November to Xbox Series X you'll see Destiny 2 available to Game Pass members. This is a huge win for a couple reasons. First, we've seen Destiny 2 
make its rounds when it comes to marketing. Of course, uh, of course, when they were an Activision company, they were marketed over to Sony. So we saw a lot of Destiny over on the PlayStation side. Then they uh, achieved a bit of freedom from Activision, and they were with Stadia. Stadia admittedly didn't do the numbers they needed it to for an online live service game like Destiny 2. Well, what's the better option for Stadia and that, that cloud-based service? It's xCloud, and Microsoft just revealed to us in this last week, that or last two weeks, that xCloud is arriving into Game Pass, a service with already t more than 10 million users. Anybody that has Game Pass will have access to all the Destiny expansions thus far, will have access to xCloud, and we'll be able to play Destiny 2 wherever and however they like. On your box, on your phone, on your tablet, hopefully PC at some point. Goodness gracious, please get xCloud running on PC. But uh, that's a great get and a good show of faith that Bungie is willing to work with Microsoft again. Let's not forget that when Bungie achieved freedom from Microsoft, they cheered. They cheered gloriously loud into the high heavens that they now could do what they wanted to do and Microsoft wasn't over them. That was a very different Microsoft then. That was even pre-Don Matrick, that terrible phase of life that we all had to endure. This is a new Microsoft, a Microsoft that is, is bringing games to people at incredible value, is letting gamers and play what they want to play, where they want to play, how they want to play, and letting creators create games where they like. So I really liked this Bungie tie-in, even though I'm not overly excited for it. There's, I think, a layered response there that, that is, is worth mentioning. Other worth mentioning things, Tetris Effect is now arriving in the console space to Game Pass for Game Pass members. Tetris Effect, very popular in PSVR, now getting a multiplayer version into Game Pass. Dope. A game that really made me excited was The Gunk. By the way, worst name for a game ever in the gunk, but made by Image Inform, who made the SteamWorld games, with an exclusive game, third party, mind you, in the Xbox world. Uh, I loved the gunk. I thought the gameplay looked super cool, and they have my faith after enjoying SteamWorld Digs 1 and 2. SteamWorld Heist was quite cool. One that was a bit more divided, though, was the Crossfire X showcase. I played the Crossfire X beta uh, a few weeks back. I really liked it. Some people really liked it. Some people really hated it. A lot of spawn locking really ruins the experience for sure. And that, di that, that, that dichotomy there, some people loving it, some people hating it, means that something's missing the mark here. Well, we saw the, the campaign story trailer. The campaign is being made by Remedy, Control, Alan Wake, Quantum Break. That's a, that's a very talented studio. They're the ones making the campaign for Crossfire X. Very curious to see where this ends up. I liked Crossfire X. A lot of people didn't. A lot of people did. Where does this campaign take people? The one caveat in this is that my understanding is that this campaign will not be part of Game Pass. The game is part of Game Pass, but the campaign will not be. And I have questions about that. That remains to be seen because it does kind of uh, make the messaging a bit odd for sure. And that seems to be the, the name of the game and going into this next gen is some things just don't quite add up here and there. Now, the big kicker, the big kicker was this end announcement that Fable is being made by Playground Games and is on its way. And this is a huge celebration point. We should all be very excited to have official confirmation. I think the epicness, the one more thing, as Matt Booty said, because Matt Booty is like, you've seen 22 games. We're all very proud of it. Da, 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 da. But one more thing. The fact that their one more thing was Fable is a mixed reaction for a lot of people because it had been so often rumored that people were taking it as fact. There had been no official confirmation that Fable was being made, nor that it was Playground making it. But we now have that, and I think it fell flat for hardcore gamers. That said, hardcore gamers already knew a lot of what you were going to see in this showcase. It was the casuals. It's the casuals that sell your generation. 50 million Xbox Ones sold. 110 million PlayStation 4s sold. Well, of those 110 million, that 60 million difference, majority of that 60 million are casual-based fans who buy one, two, maybe three games a year. They're not overly informed. They're not checking the blogs and the Twitters and the podcasts to find out, oh, is Playground making a game? Is there a new Fable? No, they woke up to find there's a new Fable, and it's coming to Xbox. That's exciting. That's fun. Good stuff there. The trailer was uh, uh, remarkably fable. Let's just put it that way. You had a fairy flying around, and then all of a sudden it's eaten by a frog. 
That's that's typical Fable humor, and I think fans have a lot to be excited about with that. Playground, Forza Horizon, goodness gracious, you couldn't ask for a more talented studio making that. And there's a lot to, to unpack in that. And so uh, when I think about this showcase, I think about the games being shown, I think about the characters that we saw from start to finish, a very diverse array of characters, of all skin colors, of all genders being shown, loved that. There wasn't a a homogeneous group that was just, oh, standard Space Marine, standard white guy. We didn't have just those things. Really diverse lineup. I thought the presenters that we saw in this this showcase were great. We didn't have all Phil Spencer. I think it's a fair criticism whenever you get just one person speaking. Phil had his moments, but we also saw Sarah Bond up there looking fly in her jacket, making it look good, being well-spoken and insightful and articulate. Matt Booty sounded great. I think he was a little sick at last year's E3. He sounded excellent. When you look at the showcase and take a step back and you examine what it was they were trying to do, showcase 22 games, showcase game pass i think it was a very good show i give it an a i think it really was exciting not perfect but an a a big question that continues to come out here did microsoft sell you on a series x did microsoft sell you on buying the next gen world's most powerful console xbox series x Perhaps, perhaps not, though I don't believe their intention was to sell you on a Series X in this showcase. I think that comes later. I think you see the reasons to buy a Series X specifically, maybe in the August showcase, maybe a year from now. We know smart delivery changes the messaging going forward. Uh, For now, they seem to be intent on selling you the Xbox brand, the Xbox brand with a future 22 games, some of them a year out, some of them a month out, some of them six months out, some of them three years out. They wanted you to buy into the Xbox brand. They wanted you to buy into Game Pass. Consider that May showed us games like Second Extinction, the dinosaur hunting game, Call of the Sea, games like Chorus, games uh, in this one like Fable, like Stalker 2, like The Medium. I mean, there's a lot to recognize that Xbox is building for a future, but they weren't showcasing hardware, and I don't think that was their intention. Uh, A lot of people in the social media space are asking the question, well, I've got a gaming PC, should I buy an Xbox Series X? Maybe not. Maybe you don't need to. That's okay. I think that's great. If you're a longtime listener to XCP, you know that I'm in that camp. That it's totally fine to play where you want to play, when you want to play, how you want to play, on whatever device you like. That seems to be Xbox's mantra. I don't think they care if you buy a Series X. I think they care if you're playing an Xbox game. I think they care if you're playing an Xbox game studio game. I think they care if you're subscribed to their service because it it only boosts their revenue. And there's there's something to that. We'll talk more about their revenue in just a moment. And there were a lot of questions that came out about this particular showcase. And let's let's acknowledge a few of them first. Uh, Jason Carp, he says, Is it weird that I wasn't disappointed by the showcase? I've watched it a few times and there are some games I'll definitely play. But there are others I will also try out. Jason, I think, is is right on the money with a lot of people's reactions. If you can walk away from a showcase with two to three games that you want to play in our day one, that showcase did its job. When I watched the PlayStation showcase, I saw Spider-Man. It did its job. I wanted Spider-Man. It, it wasn't, I didn't have two, though, but, but that did its job. I was in on that. This game showcase, I walked away with four or five that I was in on, and then... A few that I'm on the fence. I'm like, yo, that looks kind of cool. Would I spend money on Stalker 2? Probably not. Oh, wait, it's in Game Pass? Dope. I'm trying that out. Jason, I think you are right there with a lot of people. Oh, dope. I'll try that out. The Gunk, world's worst name for a video game. Game looks awesome. Yeah, I'll try that out. That's not a game that I would like go spend 60 bucks on and be like, hmm, I don't know. But for 15, 20 bucks a month? Yeah. You kidding me? I'm in on that. I think that was the goal. I don't think it's weird that you were... Uh, kind of lukewarm on the showcase. Clearly, you say you weren't disappointed, but you're not. You don't seem to be losing your mind on that reaction. That's a great, great analogy of yourself, knowing where you feel and how you feel about it. The ba- the benefit of all of that is that Game Pass allows you to feel that way and still experience the games. This is the platform, guys. Game Pass is the platform, and so there's something to that. Uh, let's see, I, I got a different question on this Xbox event. Betterman77 says, Thoughts on Forza Motorsport only being in the early stages, considering 7 has already been out for two years, and seeing a lot of he's seeing a lot of hate because of this. Personally, I think Xbox has been intended for it to be a full next-gen game, so they had to wait for the next-gen tech, maybe. 
Better Man, I see exactly what you're saying. It's been a while since we've had a Forza game, for sure. Horizon or Motorsport. Absolutely. They've also got to contend with their own choice in messaging smart delivery. For at least one year, you'll have no Series X exclusives. I think you are correct. They are waiting until it can be a Series X exclusive. And you can argue that several of these games would benefit from that. Hellblade 2, I think you benefit from that. Just put it on next gen. That's fine. You need to have games to fill out your catalog. For, for smart delivery, and I think third parties will do a lot of that. Halo Infinite will do a lot of that. You've got games in there. But some of them need to be absolute bangers to really show why the Series X is the world's most powerful console and what it does for you. And Forza will do that, but you can't do it if you've got it running on Xbox One. Not unless you're making two versions of it, which is, seems to be what third parties are having to do for PlayStation. And that's, again, not a knock. It's just a different approach to that strategy. Uh, I, I think several games should wait for next gen, but Microsoft can't just have one or two and then and call them smart delivery and then the rest wait. So there's got to be a balance there. I, for one, don't have strong feelings about Forza Motorsport. I love Horizon, but the Motorsport level isn't really my, my jam. That the apples to apples comparison on the Sony side is, of course, with Gran Turismo. And next to one another, I thought Forza 7 looked better in what we saw. And a quick note about what you saw. You saw, if you watch the live stream, you saw a 1080p version. They've got a 4K 60 frames per second version out for these games. Well worth your time. Really showcases the goods and the bads from these games. And some of them are just visually incredible. Incredible stuff. But if they've got flaws in them, you'll see that too a lot easier than you would on a 1080p screen. Strongly recommend you guys, you guys do that. Let's uh, take a break from listener questions. Let's take a break from this showcase and move on to a different topic. Hello, Two Forks Tower. This is Sissy Jones, voice of Delilah from Firewatch, and you are listening to the Xbox Expansion Pass. Prior to the game showcase, we were treated to a, a bevy of stats and a lot of statistical analysis from people like Benji Sales and Daniel Ahmad and several others. Windows Central, of course, did a write-up on it on the revenue for the Xbox division. And it paints a picture that I think many in the gaming verse overall should be pleased with. Xbox revenue is up 64% year over year. Less than six months before we get next-gen consoles, the revenue for the Xbox division alone is up 64% for fiscal year 20, thanks in large part to Xbox services and hardware. And that is... A little bit wild, all things considered. Uh, Benji Sales has stated via Twitter publicly, and he is, of course, becoming a very well-renowned and respected uh, analyst in this space. He says, quote, Microsoft are facing massive hardware shortages on Xbox One. Expect low hardware revenue during the summer months unless something changes. That said, they will have a massive holiday with Series X and Lockhart launch, end quote. That's incredible. That is really incredible to see that Xbox revenue is up that high, that they're facing Xbox One shortages, not something I would have expected to say this generation really at all, ever. Um, a couple other statistics that jump out. Overall game revenue jumped by 64%. Hardware revenue has increased by 49%. Record engagement numbers across all services and platforms for Xbox Live and Game Pass and Xbox Live games with gold, etc. And subscription services all saw growth. That's really neat to hear in a time where, of course, some of this is fueled by the pandemic. But whereas traditionally gaming slows down in the lead up to a next gen, for outside uh, circumstances to factor in, of course, but also internally the strategy of, of smart delivery seems to be making a difference. Uh, for gaming sales to be up that much really speaks to the future of what Microsoft is going to have and the gaming industry as a whole is going to have going forward. It sounds like in a time where Sony wants to cut off PS4, start PS5 for gamers, there's gonna be a bit more balance and transition for the Xbox side of things, and those two competing mindsets are really great, really great for any gamer buying in on this. But it was nice to see the supposed loser of this generation, Xbox, uh, doing so well here, and it bodes well for the future. We have talked on and off about the, the acquisition potential acquisition of WB Games uh, from AT&T by Microsoft, by Take-Two, by Activision, by EA. For Microsoft to be boasting these numbers in the Xbox division, to be as profitable as they are, really suggests that they've got the clout and the motivation to continue bringing high-quality studios into their services. To date, 
there are several uh, games we've just not seen out of WB. Batman, of course, some new NetherRealm stuff. In fact, in the entire Xbox game showcase, we didn't see a fighting game. That's interesting in and of itself. So when you see numbers like this with the revenue, it really changes the narrative a bit from what it means to win and lose a generation. By no means can anyone go out there and say that Nintendo and Sony aren't doing well. But next to that is that Microsoft is doing equally or better in certain categories. To go up year over year 64%, to see an increase in hardware revenue for Xbox One by 49%, to see subscriptions and engagement grow at the level it's growing, really speaks to the future of Xbox being strong. They went out, they bought studios. Those studios are clearly making games. I mean, I, I talked about Obsidian earlier. We've talked about what's happening with State of Decay with 343. We've talked about Infinite being a platform for the next 10 years of Halo stories. That's really cool, meaning you won't see Halo Infinite 2. You'll see Halo Infinite and then stories added in there. Maybe the way Master Chief Collection operates. Maybe something similar to the way Destiny drops content, but not without the but but without the loot and the in the the grind, because because that's not what this is. Um, in fact, debating over whether or not Halo Infinite is a games as service is worth uh, something to revisit on a different conversation. Because we know the game is meant to be living, but it will have finite stories with beginnings, middles, and ends. Uh, is it a live service game? I, I don't know. It won't have rec packs. We know that rec packs are out. So microtransactions seemingly gone. Uh, or at least in the way that we know them now. A lot more to learn about Halo Infinite for sure. But I love seeing this revenue stuff. It really does bring me hope and positivity for the Xbox brand going forward, for the Xbox uh, mentality of aggressiveness going forward. And really and truly, I think it's Xbox that is acquiring WB, uh, WB Games. Maybe not all the licenses. Maybe they parted out. Maybe they put them on other systems too. But they've got the motivation. They've got the services to pilot this stuff. And they've got the money. And when you can look up to Satya Nadella from the, from the table and you're Phil Spencer and you say, we're up 64% year over year just before the launch of a new console. And we have the possibility of saying, and we've acquired NetherRealm, WB Games, TT Games. There's a lot to, to celebrate in that. I don't think Activision has that clout. I don't think EA is anywhere close to that clout. Take two, maybe. They've got some of the money. But but Microsoft has the wallet. Now they need the reason. And I think this this speaks to that reason uh, going forward. We A lot to break down in it. There's, there's a lot of ways to look at it. But bottom line, I was very pleased at this point. Lots to celebrate this past week and several more of you writing in with questions and I do want to take the time to address those before I talk about a few other pieces of, of gaming. Todd Oxtra writes in and he says, With an expected Xbox event in August, do you think we should expect to see a push on why Series X is worth your money? I think it's time to show side-by-side -side comparisons of games on Xbox One and Series X. Ray tracing, SSD load times, suspend states, and frame rates. Todd, great question. Absolutely, we need to see that in August. August is the latest that we should be seeing things like hardware, whether it's Lockhart and Series X, price, and release date. And yes, they need to now sell us on why a Series X is worth it versus sticking with Xbox One. I just spent half the show telling you why Xbox Game Pass and Smart Delivery is so great and why it's awesome that I can play Halo Infinite with you if you're on a, a 900p Xbox One, if you're on xCloud, if you're on your PC. Now we need to see why it's worth it to even get an Xbox Series X. If fans, many of them, are questioning if the Xbox Series X is worth it and Microsoft's okay with that, they need to show those who are invested and interested in a, in a Series X why they should. They also need to justify why a Lockhart is worthwhile. Is this a, a, a dongle system? Is this something you, you sign into? Is this a piece of hardware that just has less memory? Is it an all digital edition? Whatever Lockhart is, if it, whatever its price is, it needs to be able to compete with PlayStation 4, compete with PlayStation 5, compete with Xbox One, and showcase that it's worth your time, whether it's your second system or your first system. Series X has to do the exact same thing. We just had a lot of controversy over graphics for, for Halo Infinite, despite it being a very different game. It's not linear in the sense that, it, that it's open world. It's rendering more stuff. Series X should solve those problems. And if it doesn't, there's an issue somewhere along the way, right? 
We now need to see that stuff. Yes, they do need to show me why ray tracing at a hardware level is worthwhile. What's going on with their load times? You know, PlayStation's all about no load times, though the Astrobot demo did damage, I think, that narrative a little bit amongst the hardcore. Nobody else outside of that cares. Pfft, no one cares. We want to play games. Suspend states, frame rates, all of that stuff does matter, and they need to sell us on that aspect of it. Digital Foundry came out and really slammed that Halo Infinite demo for lighting issues which was interesting to see why some of the stuff that is graphically created very impressively, the lighting actually damaged its showcase ability, which I thought was interesting to hear and read. I, look, I would hope that you would all go check that out. Yeah, it's time to see these hardware side by side. Show me, show me Halo Infinite on Xbox One X, on a Lockhart, and on a Series X, and prove to me why it's better in any given place. Prove to me why I need to go spend $500 on your system, $300 on your system, or not upgrade at all. What's the reason that I get into your your hardware side next gen? Why don't I just play it on my PC? What, what's the what's the value there? They do need to answer those questions because they've they've created for themselves a dilemma with smart delivery. It's the best value for a customer, no doubt. But you can't have best value for a customer still works in your 900p Xbox, and we're the world's most powerful console, but it's going to look like that. So you gotta balance that narrative, you gotta fight back on it. Yes, they need to tackle that. Dano wrote into the show. Uh, Dano, I hope you're doing well and having a good week, bud. He says, do you think Phil Spencer should have came out as Master Chief? Uh, let me just go ahead and interrupt that. No, absolutely not. It did not work with uh, Aaron Greenberg and the game was just fine for themselves. Uh, his real question though, what price do you think Game Pass will stick with if Xbox Live Gold is included as xCloud service bundle? Um, I think they stay at 15 You do not go above $15 a month. Right now, there's not enough money going around in the North American and world economies due to, due to the pandemic, but also the fact that a $20 subscription service feels very different than 15 when you've got the word ultimate next to it. Not to mention, Xbox Live Gold is included with the ultimate as it stands. In the ultimate bundle, you have Xbox Live Gold, Games with Gold, Xbox Game Pass, Xbox Game Pass for PC, and xCloud starting in September. That's a lot of value. That's a lot of value. And while you could, on the front on the front side, say that's a lot of value, 20 bucks is fair, and you'd probably have a good case, 20 bucks is too much for a casual fan. It's just too much, and casuals are where you make your money. The hardcore gamers, they'll spend the money up front, up front, up front for a premium service or a premium box, but that's not how you get to 60, 70, 80 million uh, users. That's how you get to 10 and 15. And right now that's what's going on. And they need to continue growing it. They need to continue growing it. So keep the service where it is. You can nix deals, make deals. You can buy studios, put value into your stuff. But the bottom line is if they're making revenue right now and Game Pass Ultimate's a thing, we're okay. We don't need to see a price increase. And I don't think you will for at least three years. That's where that's where I'm at. But you know, who who knows? Who knows? Let's look at this next question from Assemble, always supporting the show, and I do appreciate you, bud. He says, do you think some gamers are looking at the showcase the wrong way? We're fixated on Halo and the graphics, but for $15 to $20 per month, I never pay for another game on the platform. Are we not talking about value? Uh, Assemble, I've accidentally referenced your question, I think, multiple times in this show. The, the way that you change that conversation is for influencers at a high level and journalists with a devout following to start seeing that value as well. Alana Pierce has recently come out and said, yo, you, everybody's missing the value of Game Pass. Greg Miller has started saying that same thing to his Kind of Funny audience. The Kind of Funny X-Cast has started saying that to their audience. Moreover, we're seeing people like Jason Schreier acknowledge, hey, Xbox may not need you to buy uh, an Xbox Series X, but they do want you in Game Pass and it's a good value. When you have journalists and influencers from around the industry in all their various places and audiences of influence, that's how you sell people on value. The hardcore gamers know. The hardcore gamers know. What you need to start doing is speaking to the communities that you don't already have an in with. The PlayStation communities, the Nintendo communities, and say, hey, you want to buy your PS5? Play Spider-Man, play Horizon, awesome, rock on. We've got a service for you that you can play on most of the devices that you likely already have in your home. Your phone, via xCloud, 
your tablet via xCloud. Maybe you want to buy in on a Lockhart for, for cheaper than a PS5, but, but you want to have it as a second system. That's how you get people in. And then you talk about value there. There's a lot of value. But you, I think anybody with an Xbox is able to play third-party games in a better state than on a Switch and on a PS4 because we know the hardware of Xbox is, is currently better. If you want your trophies, you stay in your ecosystem. Rock on there. I get that. I don't like leaving my ecosystem and to play Ghost of Tsushima at all. I wish I could be getting achievements in that game. So I recognize that, but you got to start speaking outside of your standard course. Their messaging at the beginning of this generation was not good enough. It simply wasn't. And still they recovered beautifully and managed 50 million plus and managed revenue in their last year of the Xbox One. Great. Dope. Very cool. Now you got to start speaking to the other people. It's already starting to happen, Assemble. It really is. It's already starting to happen. Uh, and they need to double down. They need to make those deals with influencers in the right way. The right deals, the right people, not somebody that's just going to be like, yeah, I guess that's good. Hashtag ad. No, you want to really sell people on the value. You want to sell the PlayStation fans on the value. And that's how you do it, bud. That's how you do it. Oh, let's see. Let me make sure I, I got to every single one of your questions for this week that I wanted to read. I believe I did. Uh, I do want to quickly point out before we, we move on and end the show. I've been playing Rocket Arena a lot, and that game is weird. It's a really fun 3v3 hero shooter. Really digging it. The audience isn't there, and the game went from 30 bucks for Mythic Edition down to 10 bucks up for physical. If you see Rocket Arena for 10 bucks, you get it. Okay, guys? There's a good game in that. And if you can get it on the cheap, go for it. It's fun. I really do like it. Uh, it's it's unlike most hero shooters that I've played. It's a little weird. I expect it to go free-to-play at some point. I do. I really do if they want to save it because EA put it out to die. But I'm digging it, and I think it's worth your time for sure. I've also started playing Carrion over on Xbox Game Pass. That is a dope Metroidvania. I really dig it. Really dig it. Well... Ladies and gents, thank you for sticking with me through this episode. I know I talked a lot about the showcase and what better topic is there to discuss. I would love it if you would seek me out on all the various platforms, Insipid Ghost on Twitch, on Twitter, on Xbox Live. You can find me there, Insipid Ghost. Email me, insipidghost at gmail.com if you've got thoughts. Thank you, by the way, for all of you that have taken the time to go rate the show, who have subbed or, or followed over on Twitch. Uh, I'm seeing the best numbers that Xbox Expansion Pass has shown thus far. It's it's up month over month over month, and I really appreciate that. Please keep that going, because next to some incredible creators out there, it's nice to do a solo show and, and it grow. So if you get a chance, share it or rate it or, or, or whatnot. It means the world. Every retweet and all that, the likes, it just it makes a difference. That's it for me, guys. Have a wonderful rest of your week. Take care. Thank you.